Today on The Breakdown, it's old school famous versus new school mysticism. And that may sound crazy, but actually it's sort of true. We have a hand with Chris Moneymaker, the guy who started the poker boom, maybe one of the most famous players in the world still today because of that one incredible run in 2003. He's playing a hand against... The reader of souls, Davidi Katai from the PCA. They play a hand that almost defies explanation. It's so strange. They both make such unusual decisions, really. I'm really excited to talk about it because I don't know what's happening. Will we figure it out? We're going to find out together on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levin. <laughs> I saw a real struggle there when you were trying to capture the year that Moneymaker won. And also, I think Davidi Katai's name yeah. was a bit of a struggle for you for a second. I didn't want to, I wanted to say Davidi and not Davidi. That's the thing. Yeah. But I'm actually not sure now that I'm saying it, which is which. Now I think it might be Davidi again. But you see my problem. I think it's Davidi. This is the, I think it's Davidi. This is the thing. So I do that in my head every time. And maybe I'll just call him Katai. By the way, you know, his, um, co- what were you going to say? Just call him a European. Just call him a European. He's, He's Belgian. European. He's Belgian. Uh, his Twitter handle is Kitbull. And I just realized yesterday that that's like a play on Pitbull, the singer, yeah. which I never realized before. I never thought about that. Are you sure that's a play on Pitbull, the singer, and not Pitbull, the dog? Well, no. I'm actually not sure it's a play on either one of those, but I decided it was a play on Pitbull, the singer, and I'm sticking with my story. Why would you think the singer versus the dog? Because Pitbull is was a... so popular at that point. Such a popular singer. But... But the dog is like has traits that somebody might want to have, you know, as a poker player. Oh yeah! Like wow, wow! Pitbull the singer has traits that people would want to have. Also, perseverance, reading people's souls, freaking unconscious aggression. <laughs> I just think that it's a it's a very strange conclusion that when you decided it was Pitbull. You decided it was the singer and not the dog. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really yeah. strange place to I, go. I got to say, in retrospect, I'm on your side of this and agree that that <laughs> was a weird decision. But I like just, uh, yeah. Well, why? Maybe this is an important first question. Which came first? The name Pitbull for the dog or the name Pitbull for the singer? Because if they named the Pitbull dog after the singer, then really Katai is named after the singer either way. Sadly, the written word had not yet yeah, been invented no when that would have been known. So, and it's lost. And it, anybody who's taken like uh, a high school level psychology introduction course knows that passing down generation through generation through words, it's the telephone effect, and you're going to get the wrong answer. Yeah. So, we'll never really know. It's powerful stuff. Like, you know, E equals MC squat. You know, like who knows? Who knows what that last part of the word is and who did it some dude that's the, that's all we Guy. got <laughs> we think he we think he was old but he, he also might have been young he might be dead because everyone who you, whose name you say might be dead <laughs> if you say someone's name true <laughs> so like John, jonathan lovey <laughs> <laughs> well there are jonathan Levies who are dead for sure because levy yeah believe it or not so i know a lot of you out there will be shocked by this levy's actually a very popular last name and jonathan is not an unpopular first name so if you go certain parts of the united states if you open up the phone book just for levy it's pages and pages of levies 
Mostly have, in the Northeast. Uh, I have another quibble with your uh, your assessment of a situation. Okay. You really exacerbated the popularity of the last name Levy, and then you're like, oh, and Jonathan, I guess that's kind of a popular first name. As if Levy was a more popular last name than Jonathan is a first no, name. No, 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 you're misunderstanding. Because the last name you have to have to like have it. But so I'm saying, so Levy's already very popular, and so that means there's going to be a fair amount of Jonathan Levy's. Because while that's popular yeah. too, it doesn't matter. There's obviously going to be a smaller group of Jonathan Levy's than there are Levy's, right? So that, Well, sure, of course that's, that's true. All. That's what I was saying. Okay, fine. Nice try. You didn't catch me that time in your freaking. No, I got you journalism due. I got you journalism due. <laughs> Pitbull. The guy is a very famous singer, and he's from Miami, I think. I mean, potentially from Miami. I don't know. I think he played the Super Bowl one year, which is crazy. It tells you how different I mean, things were. Creed, Creed played the Super Bowl one year. Really? They're at yeah. Least, yeah. I guess they were really popular, too. They had that one song that everybody liked. Can you take me high? I don't know if that's, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> I don't know. That's the one, though. That's got to be the one. You know, maybe if someone else sang it, I would know what it was, but I'm not. That isn't enough for me. Like, you're, you're not a good singer. I'm sorry. Okay. I know I'm not a good singer, but that doesn't matter when you're singing Creed. They're fucking awful. It you can did. sing however you want. It's an improvement It kind Creed. It kind of just mattered. You know who's good? Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> right? I mean, Hold I agree. My head, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are You're a good singer. I'm going to I'm going to turn around and tell you you're a great I singer. I want you to hold my hand. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so good. Who do you, you who should do you blowfish? Be, you should go on America's Got Talent. You know, I should, should go on Hootie. America's Got Talent. Thank you. And do you just think do Darius like, Rucker would send you a personalized letter in the mail if you sang his song? I, w- I wouldn't sing. Got- I wouldn't sing on America's Got Talent. That feels like a mistake for me. Like, I, I have better talents. I would just do rambling observations. <laughs> you know, I'd like take a microphone and just, you know, do some stream of, stream of consciousness type stuff. See what happened. Kind of like Mitch Hedberg? Yeah, except he wrote, he clearly wrote all that stuff out and thought about it ahead of time. That's yeah. crazy. I'm going to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> just wing that I thing. Can't see, I can't see how this would be a, a failure in any way. I have, you know, before winged a best man wedding speech. Yeah, I heard it went really well. I thought it was great, but it, most people did not. <laughs> <laughs> Including the bride and the groom. They were displeased with it. Let me just say that. It turns out winging it, bad idea for, for weddings, at least. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean, like, that's so obvious. I thought it would be fine. Honestly, it's not like it was awkward. I just shared things that they thought were inappropriate. You know, it wasn't about like, oh, he didn't know what to say. Like, oh, I had things to say, you know? Yeah. I mean, that would be my guess for how you would fail at winging a thing is just go too far with something. Of course. And that's exactly what happened. They were like, don't say that. No, don't. Did you, what happened? Did you, did you do like two minutes on the Holocaust or something? What happened? Oh, no, no. It was just about their relationship. But like, for example, I did point out. Looking back, I can see how this didn't go over as well. But I pointed out how, like, so my cousin went to, um, was going to, he was his freshman year in college. He was dating someone for, like, six months. And then he he met his eventual wife. And they were friends. They weren't, they didn't, he didn't, like, cheat on his girlfriend or anything. But they were friends. I think they acknowledged, like, that they had a connection. There was, like, an attraction there before. And then he, like, broke up with his girlfriend and then started dating his, his now wife, right? So I talked about that. But it was seen as like, so you sort of, like, I think it went off as like, 
he was at least emotionally cheating on his current girlfriend with his wife, and it wasn't seen as like. But I was like, they had such a strong connection. I was trying to say it as a positive, but it didn't go well. And I did that yeah. like things like that like four or five times. Apparently, I don't remember. Anymore. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of collective wisdom available on the internet. I've done a best man speech too, and. I I did a, an imp- not improvised, but I did like an original version. But I certainly went and said like, "What are some definite don'ts?" Mm. And I looked that up on the internet, and I bet that would have come up because yeah, I remember thinking very strongly like I could bring up previous significant others, and it could be humorous in some way. Right. But that seems like it's just a bad road to go yeah. down, and maybe I shouldn't poke that bear. Yeah, that seems fair. like a bad idea. That's really fair point. Entirely fair. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> What not to do is is often a good thing to look into before you do something, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was just like, it'll be fine. Now, in fairness, yeah. the internet wasn't much of a thing yet. I will say that. Like, it was like, this is like 1999 or something like that. But it was enough okay. of a thing. I, I mean, I could have asked around. Like, you know, I didn't. I just was also, like... Also, that, that, seems, that seems a little bit like common sense. <laughs> like... <laughs> I thought I was explaining, you know, their their connection and devotion to each other. And in fact, I was, by the way. Just people have... These people are sticklers with their, you know, 1920s attitudes and puritanical freaking right. psychologies. Right. It's, every, it's society's fault. It's not, it's not you. It's society. I, history will redeem me, <laughs> you know? That's true anyway. for everything I've said on this podcast that sounded even sort of offensive, by the way. History will... Re- especially the stuff about Italians. <laughs> Wow, you just sound you just sound like a really forward-thinking individual right now. Um, Thank you. We've done our requisite ten minutes yep. of bullshit. That's what we so do. So maybe we should get to the hand. Okay. And this is a hand. This is a unique opportunity for some of the hardcore listeners mm. because you might have a chance to make a poker guys comparison. I I believe, although it's no longer available on the internet, uh, easily accessible at least. I believe this is the third ever hand we broke down back in the day. Before we even changed the format to be entirely breakdowns, back when we were doing like oh, 10 wow. minutes of a hand breakdown, followed by local Pacific Northwest poker news, which was <laughs> terrible. That's incredible. Uh, that we we had that. a third person when we, when we broke this down. Robert Brewer is still a good friend of ours, but yeah. no longer part of this endeavor, clearly, and it wasn't since then. Um, I don't remember what we said. No way. That podcast is somewhere deep in the archives. I think some of you may have it downloaded uh, it was available for purchase for a while as our like archive podcast. I have it somewhere in the like way backlogs of my computer, yeah. but I have no clue what our analysis was back in 2014 when we initially did the analysis on this. I'm sure it will change a lot. I mean, 2020 is a whole new lens. I don't think I knew what distribution was in 2014. No, of course, for example, not. of course. Like so, things change. We we did. There's. I mean, looking at this through, from a 2020 lens will be interesting anyway. Um, I would guess even though we were spending time on it, we probably spent 10 or 15 minutes on the hand as opposed to what we're going to do right now. Um, this is going to be completely different. And like you said, I didn't even remember we had done the hand, but you said you were pretty sure it was the third one we ever did. I assume you're right. And w- wouldn't bother to try and look it up. Either way, it's an exciting hand to do, and I'm looking forward to breaking it down. When I saw it, I was like, wow. You know, I just saw it yesterday, and it was just sort of like, holy moly. You know, uh, this is a good hand for a breakdown. And fair enough. Well, all right, let's set the stage. Okay. It's 2014. The most popular movie in the world is what? Guardians of the Galaxy? Something like that? Maybe. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a reasonable guess. Maybe that was a, maybe that was a bit later. Maybe that was like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. 
It's something like that. Yeah. The uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are probably pretty good. I don't know. What's going on over there? Um, I don't know. It's 2014. There was no internet yet. And <laughs> it is day two of the PCA. So we're still a decent away a decent bit away from the money. I think usually that money's on day three. Yeah. If I remember correctly, we're at 501 K blinds and we have the kit bull Davidi Katai, who is one of our favorite players and always has been ever since we've been doing this podcast, mm-hmm. just because he makes incredible reads that feel supernatural, sort of the way that we talked about it last week, how some of the ways Doyle understands his opponents seem almost supernatural. Mm-hmm. Davide's like micro reads or whatever he's doing that he would probably never give away just feels like he just gets something that other people don't. And that's what makes him super interesting along with being like a fundamentally sound poker player, it seems. And we have, of course, the guy who sparked all of this Chris moneymaker. So kind of a different types of players here with moneymaker, not really having the prestige level, but definitely being a bigger deal. Oh, by far. Yeah. Yeah. By far. All right, so at the at the 1K big blind, Kitai has 92K, so he's doing quite well with 92 bigs. Opens to 2,200 from plus one with ace-king off, ace of hearts, king of diamonds. Cool. Folds to Moneymaker in the big blind. Moneymaker has 55K, 55 blinds. He has two black threes. He's going to make the call. So far, we're fine with it, right, Jonathan? Absolutely. I bet our analysis is the same so far yeah. as it was in 2014. Maybe we thought Moneymaker should three bet. <laughs> But that would be a mistake. I really, really don't think we thought no, that. No, I'd be shocked. We, this seems... No, we, thumbs up on, on all, all decisions so far. The pot is 5,800. And the flop is 10 of clubs, 9 of hearts, 7 of clubs. And I'll tell you something I'm pretty sure we weren't talking about with any frequency in 2014 is range advantage. And uh, this is a pretty clear range advantage board for Moneymaker. Yeah. But it's a situation where his hand is weird to try to use that range advantage in any sort of bluffy way. What do you think? I mean, I think he could just not worry about what his hand is and be aware that he has a range advantage and rock and roll. You know, like he has a barely a bluff catcher, but one that this is a dynamic enough board on a 10-9-7-2 club board where like even if Moneymaker's ahead right now, there's just a million ways he ends up losing this hand. You know, just in terms of equity, straight equity, you know, where like, Katai makes straights, he makes flushes, he makes overcards, the board double pairs. There's just all these awful things that can happen really easily. Um, so I think Moneymaker doesn't have to... Moneymaker can just know that he has a range advantage and he has a weak hand. He has a very weak marginal made hand. So I guess based on all of that, which I agree with, I think the three options that I would consider as Moneymaker are leading, check raising, and check folding. I like I'm check folding is fine. You don't have to always take your range advantage and take an aggressive action, but you mm-hmm. certainly can. I yeah. mean, but just because you have a range advantage, by the way, doesn't mean that the other guy has a hand that he's going to fold. Like David Kutai could easily have a set or like have an open ender or something like that, that he's never folding. And it, there's a lot of reasons to not always take your range advantage and, and run with it. Sure. I mean, an over pair probably isn't folding either on this wet board quite frankly. No, not for not for one aggressive action, at least, but maybe down the line. Maybe. Yeah. Um, either way, Moneymaker checks. He could lead, but checking is certainly standard. What do you think? Yeah, I think checking is totally fine. I agree with you that check calling feels like the worst option out of all our options, for sure. Yeah. Like, just like I was saying, the sport's so dynamic. Like, we're just going to let this guy, like, get there. I think check 
Checking a raise, checking a fold are both fine. Like you said, I think elite is reasonable too, but mostly people weren't doing that and still aren't doing that. But yep. I, I like the, I, I still want to explore that at some point, probably not today. Um, leading on these range advantage boards like a lot and seeing like how the world reacts. Like that's, that's worth, I think it's worth a discussion at least, but not, not for right now. We got enough other things it's to tough. talk about. It's tough to experiment with that in tournaments because you rarely have a deep enough stack to pot ratio to yeah. experiment like that you could do it in cash, without though. it being too risky. You could do it in cash, but it's a little different, right? People react differently in cash than they do in tournaments. You're not going to get as many folds in cash as you are in tournaments. Uh, that's true. That is definitely true. You can't put the same kind of pressure on someone who's 200 blinds deep and you lead for seven blinds or four blinds or something. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Katai... Is there any reason to bet with Ace King on the ten nine seven two club board? He's got no clubs. I mean, look, there's always reason to bet when you are the aggressor and your heads up. But I think this is like before when I, I watched this hand and before I knew it was going to happen, I saw a check to Katai and I was like, well, nowadays people would check this this a lot right here because that's just an obvious range advantage for a money maker. I wonder what Katai is going to do, and I feel like while there is you know we are plus one, so our range is still pretty strong, but since I, I don't think there's a lot of reason to bet here. The pot isn't huge. This isn't necessary to win. We don't have any backdoors except the backdoor straight, you know, even. If there were, like, two hearts or two diamonds on the board, okay, we have, like, that working for us, too, at least. I think I like a check, personally. I do, too, although 2014, I don't know. Maybe that's a little too late, but, like, as as late as, like, 2010, 2011, I feel like people were C-betting just way too often in heads-up pots, like, yeah. regardless of what the board was, not considering range at all. Just, like, I am the aggressor, I C-bet 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, I still think, my guess is that most people are still C-betting too much even now in 2020, that, like, if we really did, like, deep, hardcore analysis of it all, that, like, you're really just not supposed to C-bet that much most of the time, you know? Because, like, the I other know, guy I, is a hand, I, too. <laughs> no, I agree. It's, and people are still, I mean, it's, luckily, not everybody is thinking deeply and analytically about poker, although yeah. more and more people are. But luckily, there's still plenty of people out there who are just foot-to-the-pedal aggression or too passive or whatever, bad in whatever way they are. But I've, you know, during the pandemic, played a decent amount of online poker tournaments and consistently have seen over and over again, when I call out of the big blind, when, like, plus one opens, and the flop is like three, four, seven with two clubs. And I'm like, this guy's going to see bet. He's not supposed to see bet. I'm going to check raise him. He's going to fold. Yeah. He's going to fold. I know he has nothing most of the time. Sometimes he has something, but he's going to see bet no matter what. I'm going to raise. I have jack 10. It doesn't matter. He's going to fold. And it happens every time. Yeah. It's like they, they don't understand still. It's great. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. Like having played a fair amount of cash uh, online over the pandemic, as well as like before the pandemic struck. I was playing a, a lot of cash. Now I wasn't playing no limit, but I was playing hold'em. I was playing limit hold'em. Uh, and there are, while you, you see bet more in limit, there are definitely spots you don't see bet. And still like almost everyone was see betting too much or like pretty much all the time. And it was very noticeable. And yeah, I think, I think some people make that mistake. Of course, there's the, uh, there's the correlator to that, which I think you, you sort of mentioned for a second, which is some people are the opposite. Not that they check back too much, but that they fold to the C-bet so often that it's absolutely profitable to C-bet too much, you know? Yeah. Like, you should, like there's lots of guys who you should C-bet basically 100% of the time if your head's up against them, period. Because they're just going mean, to fold if possible, they don't connect with the board. It's possible that these players that I'm exploiting are actually making profitable bets against the field. I think... To, th- to your point. That may be true. Know? Yeah. But, I mean... 
the way to make it the most profitable is clearly to see bet when the board favors your range and not when it favors your opponent's range. And then you can see bet with impunity. If it's like the ace, ace, 10 board and the big blind is called go for it. But you know, the three, four, five, three spade board, when you have ace, king of diamonds, maybe don't, you know? I mean, again, if the guy's going to fold a lot, if the guy's going to fold Jack-10 all the time and never play back at you, it's fine to see bet there, right? But if there's a guy like yeah. you who's going to be like, I'm, I'm playing back at you most of the time when you, do this, when you guys bet this, then clearly you have to take a different approach, right? It's, it's an iterated game. And so like in 2014, not that many people, and even now, not that many people are attacking these sort of, for lack of a better term, bad see bets or, or too many see bets. And so it makes the see bet still okay to do. But if the more the more they get attacked, the more they have to be reasoned and thoughtful and restrained. I would like to add a, a bit to what you're saying okay. and and say it's not just that when a guy like me is attacking with Jack Ten, that's not the only problem with C betting the three four five all spade board when you're the under the gun player and the big blind is called. The problem is actually range versus range equity, like the actual hands that you show up with. So even if they're not attacking you too much, it still might be unprofitable. I would argue though that if someone's going to fold every time they don't connect with the board then you can pro- and never and never make a playback. I doubt you're losing money to see bet even 100% of the time. Heads I up. guess it depends on what you mean by connect with the yes. board. If, if, if you mean any gut shot, then I think it's a real problem. Like any gut shot plus, um, it's a real problem. But if you mean they have to have at least middle pair or a good flush draw, then it's different. Yeah, I mostly mean the second thing. Um, but then there's a lot of people who, you know, like connect with the board weekly, call once and fold the turn, you know, and like you actually make more money against them because they like flop a gutter, check call, check fold, you know, and there's a lot of that. So I'm just saying people who aren't balanced with their calling ranges and stuff like that, like you can just own, you can just destroy yeah. them, right? Uh, because, but, and then you don't have to be balanced yourself. You just, you just exploit in whatever direction. If, they, if they're going to fold too much on the turn, you bet the flop, you know, you're going to get called a lot and bet the turn and then they fold all the time, you know, so... If they're folding at the correct percentages, which is about 30% of whatever mm-hmm. range they have folds on each street, then it's really hard to take advantage of them. And then you have to adjust. Then you're the one who has to adjust, like backed as a defensive measure instead of as an offensive measure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, something to, something to think about. Put that in your cereal. We'll so see bet debate. Nothing's happened yet in this hand, but we've already talked for 12 minutes about it. That's probably more than we talked about it in the third podcast of our lives, you know, back in the day anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like it's gone. Probably. Check. Moneymakers checked. I think that all that's happened. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting right, decisions to come, though. All right. So Moneymaker has two black threes. He checks the seven, nine, ten, two club board. Katai with ace king of red unsuited. He checks back. Yeah. He does the what I think is the right thing. Yeah. And I don't know how Moneymaker would have reacted to a bet. Maybe he would have check-raised. Maybe he would have called. Maybe he would have, have folded. Who knows? No but idea. I think I like how both players played it, assuming especially that Moneymaker is going to either raise or fold if Katai bets. I, don't, I wouldn't have liked the plan of check-calling. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the turn, I just have to talk about a little something. Yeah, what, what is it? Well, something I'm- I've been wanting get off my chest unburden yourself there's it's just it's just been pestering there's a link in the description yeah do you, do you see that jonathan you see that link in the description of the podcast i do see it what is what is that about it's uh, it's about this thing it's nitrogen sports yeah. just like not enough people click on it, what? it not people need to click on it more and i don't know what to do about it huh. how how can i tell the people about the link you could tell them you're dying and it's your final wish. Okay. That might work. Pretend I said that. Okay. 
Sorry, man. <laughs> yes. It's kind of... It's all good. I, I assume people will click the link now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, why would people click the link, though? Well, besides giving me eternal life... Uh, what? Which, <laughs> That's how... That, you did not, we did not mention that. Well, I mean, metaphorically, like through uh, their actions, you know, okay. kind of like planting a tree in my name. Sort like, of like your Facebook page lives on forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, that link grants you access to Nitrogen Sports, which is where we have our monthly Poker Guys tournament the last Sunday of every month. It is a 0.1 millibit buy-in with a 100 millibit guarantee. That means the guarantee is 1,000 times the buy-in, which is the buy-in is something like a dollar and 10 cents to a dollar and 20 cents right now, but it varies with the price of Bitcoin. Um, that's, that's a really good guarantee because they never get more than 300 players because they never allow more than 300 players. By the way, they get fewer than 300 players anyway. So it's a huge overlay every month. You got to use the link to see it though. When you sign up. Yeah. And also grant, I just want to say in memoriam to you. Thanks. (laughs) You were, you were a man and you walked this earth and people acknowledge that. And one of my pieces of knowledge that I want to leave for future generations yeah. is that when you withdraw money from nitrogen, you get it in 90 minutes, yeah. which is just a great deal. Yeah. Not like those other sites, some of which I know currently are making Grant take days and days and days and days and days and have all these weird it's actually, rules around it's it. Actually worse, it's actually worse than that. But yeah, yeah it's a problem. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. They, they get, get it out in 90 minutes. It's super fast. It's great. They, of course, have casino games and sports betting also. Now that sports is sort of... Coming back, at least kind of, is back. I mean, of. the NBA is back in baseball, a, a real way. Baseball and, and Base, soccer? Baseball's not going to make it, let's be honest. But, but it's here right now. You can bet right yeah. now. Who cares about the future? <laughs> you, 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 why would you care about the future especially? You'll be dead. Yeah. That's what, that seems to be baseball's stance anyway. But the NBA, might, they might make it. I, th- I think they might make it. Anyway, we'll find out. But Nitrogen Sports Poker, click the link, sign up, get all the cool stuff. Cost you nothing. It's a great deal. An excellent deal. Another excellent deal is being Chris Moneymaker, isn't it? You get to uh, have the greatest run in any tournament of an amateur in history up to that point, become super poker famous, and then make way more money than you made in that tournament from being that guy who did that as an amateur. What a deal. Chris Moneymaker is going to live. Also, part of it is because his last name is what his last name is, but he's going to live off being Chris Moneymaker for the rest of his life, really because of that one tournament, which almost no one can say, but it's true for him. Like People will... Buy him into tournaments. People will want him to be a sponsor, like for the rest of his life. I mean, he, Poker Stars is, still has to deal with him. It's been it's been seventeen years. He's still a, a member of Team Poker Stars. He has never. I mean, no offense to him, he's done nothing in years in terms of like on the tournament scene. That's notable, right? I'm not saying he's never made a deep run, but like, come on, look, he's not one of the. No one considers him uh, like one of the great players. He may be a good player, he, maybe, but it's he's really not, incredible. He's not. Joe, he's not like having. Joe McKeehan's career where he won the main event and like really right. like he won, he won the monster stack the year before has won a bunch of other big stuff. I mean, moneymaker was an amateur and acknowledges that, that he was an amateur, yeah. you know, and it's like tried to become better and it has gotten better. But like, I mean, amongst the really good players, he's the fish and that's okay. Like that's true for you and me too. Like if we're playing amongst Federholtz and company, we're the fish. But the thing yeah. is like, he's going to be able to trade off the fact that he won that tournament for the rest of his life. It's incredible how many millions of dollars it's, this has been worth to him. It's what, the what ultimate underdog story. It's the ultimate underdog it story. Is. It's really it captures the attention of the world, and it makes you if you're that guy, it pays your bills for the rest of your life, and it's pretty sweet. It's pretty freaking sweet. Yeah. Anyway, he's now 
in this 10K buy-in in the Bahamas playing against Davidi Katai. That would have not happened had he not had that deep run in that tournament, I'm pretty sure. It seems like. Uh, so here he is with two, two black threes. The board, 10 of clubs, 9 of hearts, 7 of clubs. Katai as the original Razor with ace-king of red. The turn is the 9 of spades, pairing the 9. Uh, Moneymaker is going to lead. What do you think about this? Equity I, denial. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, it is possible we're losing on this board as Moneymaker, depending on how deep into 2020 or 2017-ish uh, theory Katai is in terms of check board-based 20, checks. 2017? Why are you saying 2017? Because like, that's when people were more doing, like sort of really started doing board-based checking, I think, a lot more. Ah, I um, see. I see. That was confusing. I thought you thought this hand was from 2017. I for did not think that, but I understand why you okay. think that I thought that. Um, so like in theory, Katai could have any part of this board or an overpair and be checking back. But from Moneymaker's point of view, I think we have to deny equity all the times Katai has the bigger cards... We still have a range advantage as a moneymaker, clearly. Turns out we actually have the best hand also, which we, you assume we will have a fair amount of the time. Gatai might bet some of his stronger hands on this board and not check 100% on the flop anyway because it's a pretty wet board. Um, and assume he's going to get some action from moneymaker when he has got a really strong hand. At least some of the time he's going to bet, I think. Um, I think it's a pretty straightforward bet for moneymaker. What do you think? I do too. Uh, I don't... I mean, it's not the worst card in the deck, the nine coming, but I don't love the nine. That's like one of Katai's most likely checkbacks in the pre-board-based check world. Mm -hmm. Middle pair was like one of the most common checkbacks. So the nine pairing is not ideal, but still, I think the equity denial is certainly worth it and pretty necessary. Yeah, I think so too. So he bets 3,500 into 5,800, which with ace-king of red, you would think, well, this is maybe just the end of this. Who cares? It didn't work out. But Katai makes the call. Yeah. So what's going on here? He's putting Moneymaker on an eight or clubs yep. or queen jack. Or just air that's taking a shot because Katai checked. My, yeah. my, my, my best guess of what's really going on is Katai's thought process is because I checked, I invited this bet. Moneymaker's always going to bet on any kind of basically 10 or lower card that comes, non-Broadway card that comes, right? Um, so it can't be that bad to call because I'm inviting the bet. But... I don't know if that's yeah. true. I think it still might be bad to call. Like, why did we check the flop? We checked it. Well, I don't know why he checked it. Why we would check it is because we don't, we have a range disadvantage. Guess what? We still have a really strong range disadvantage here. And we only have one card to come. It's not, if Moneymaker had bet less, I'd feel a little better about a call. But like 3,558 just feels like pricier than, I just don't know why we need to put chips in right now. I would just want to fold. My, I'm going to take a guess at what we said in 2014 when we did the analysis on yeah. this. Which, you know, the board-based stuff was not yet a part of our analysis or really any mainstream analysis. Correct. Um, I think it's far more important to poker than the how you've repped your hand so far. But at the time, a huge deal was, are, am I under-repped, right? That was like a huge way to make decisions, which is still an important factor in making decisions. But I think our analysis was probably, Katai feels like he has to call because he's under-repped because he checked the flop. How is he under-repped, though? Like, he's re- what's, what's he repping? What, what like... What hands do you think Moneymaker's putting him on? Ace-Queen is like, so Ace-King is slightly yeah, better. Yeah, like, that's, that's like fair. King-Queen has a gutter. King-Jack has a gutter. Queen-Jack is open-ended. Everything else is a pair. Like, I don't know how we're under-repped here. That's fair. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. Ace-King's too good to fold because we checked back. I don't know. One, this is one of those. I mean, you could decide something. If you have to believe Moneymaker's doing this with his entire range, basically. For to yeah. be able to call here, right? Which maybe he is, but that's really the only way that I think this is justifiable. If Moneymaker doesn't have like 
what's the board here? 10, 9, 7, 9. If he doesn't have like four or five of diamonds here, you know, in betting also, and ace-6 off, well, ace-6 is at least a gutter, ace-5 off and stuff like that, like no equity plays basically also, like then I just think we should be folding. If we think it's basically only reasonable equity or hands that are beating us, we just have to fold. Well, there is also the Katai factor that could be mm. at play here. Yeah. Moneymaker certainly doesn't like his hand, although he is ahead of ace-king. But Katai may have picked up on some physical tell on Moneymaker and been like, oh, he's uncomfortable. He doesn't like his hand. I could easily be ahead with ace-king here. Yeah. or Because Katai is the ultimate reader of souls, so maybe he did pick up on that. It also doesn't have to be I could be ahead. It could be I can win the hand. You know? Yeah. Like, certain, like, there's times, I'm just thinking of a particular cash game hand I played where I opened under the gun, bet the flop, and got check-raised. And I just had, like, overs and, like, a backdoor flush draw or something like that. But based on the size and the player, I got check-raised from, like, the big blind. I called and missed on the turn, but the guy checked to me now. And I was, like, because based on how he sized it on the, the, his check raise, I just thought, like, I don't think he's very strong, so I'm going to call. I have a few weird backdoor stuff, but, like, normally this would be a fold. But I think I have a chance to take this away later. And, in fact, I was able to. Um, so I think, like, that may be what's going on with Katai also, on top of this other piece of, like, I don't know if Ace-King is good or not, but if I don't think he's strong and I can read people really well, it doesn't really matter if I'm good, Right. If a brick comes on the river, I can maybe win. Or maybe even a scare card comes on the river. I can read him and, and win the pot a lot. Yeah, that could be it. Mm. So we're gonna, we'll, I guess we'll give Katai the benefit of the doubt being yeah. the guy who reads people well. And he would correctly be assuming the moneymaker is unhappy with his hand. Threes are not great on this board, obviously. Katai actually has 12 outs to have the best hand. I don't know if he's going to be able to realize the equity every time, but he does have 12 outs. Yeah. That's something. It's not good enough, really, but something. Well, the pot is now 12,800 after the call by Katai. And the river is the Eight of Spades, which is a pretty wet card with an H. Um, <laughs> so now, now the board reads 10, 9, 7, two clubs, another 9 on the turn, and the river is an 8. So 4 to a straight out there on the board, along with the board being paired. And uh, no, Spades didn't get there. So no, no flush gets there, but paired board. Etc. Etc. All that good stuff. Uh, how do you approach this if you're money maker? Um, well, I would assume I'm losing <laughs> right now as money maker when I got called, and then the eight comes. Like it's really hard to come up with the hand I can beat. Right? I would yeah. think. I think like, oh, maybe he has a seven. Maybe he has a ten. Maybe he has trip nines. Maybe he has an eight. Maybe he has a jack, but like it's really hard to come up with a like. How can he call the turn? Have this card come? It's like kind of a. It's almost a, it, the eight of clubs is worse, but it's basically a death card. I would assume I'm losing, and I would probably, especially against Katai, not try and make a play against him. I'd probably be like, I'm just gonna stop putting chips in the pot now. That'd be my thought. So I'd be looking to check, check. Hope he checks back, but I know I'm gonna lose if he checks back anyway. It's probably a check fold. Yeah, I mean Katai has probably a decent amount of jacks in his range too that he could play this way. That's the question, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But, but possibly, right? I don't know. Is he yeah. going to check back ace-jack on the flop? That's like, that comes down to sort of like, what's Katai's actual reasons for checking the flop? If it's board-based, right. then yes. If it isn't, then no, right? Yeah. Fair enough. Well, Moneymaker does check. Mm. And Katai decides he's not ahead often enough to check back and take his equity with ace-king. Um, I mean, it looks kind of like Moneymaker has an eight, right? Yeah. The way he played it. it feel, that feels like the most likely holding. There's any eight. Could, he could have a lot of eights out of the big blind. 
I mean, he could also have a 10 or a 7 very reasonably here. They play the same, right? I mean, even a 9. He's going to check all those things, honestly. But an 8 feels like the most obvious. From Katai's point of view, when he calls the turn, it feels like he would be be hoping Moneymaker had an 8. And now that the 8 comes in, you're like, well, I can't beat that either now. But like one pair. Like one pair a lot. Rarely a full house. Sometimes trip 9s. So do you think Katai should be taking a stab as a bluff? Or do you think he should just check and hope he wins? I mean, I think a stab as a bluff is going to work a lot here. When we check back and just call the turn, I think it's pretty believable that we made a straight. At least on yeah. a quick thought. Maybe I have, I have some competing thoughts in my head even as I say that, so maybe we can get into that. But I, my, my initial hit would be, yes, I like a bet here as Katai. How about you? Well, I think I do too. That's what Katai likes too. He bets about half pot, 6,600. Uh I'm just going to say what happens, then we can talk it over. Okay. Moneymaker calls with two threes on this yeah. board. On the 7, 8, 9, 9, 10 board, Moneymaker makes the call. So how does he do this, and is he right to call, even though he was, air quotes, right? Is it overall a plus EV call? I think I know how he did it. Like, I think I understand his logic. Let me say that. I have a guess. Let me just say that. I have a guess to what his logic is. Here's, okay. here's the guess. Moneymaker is not thinking at all in terms of board-based checking on this flop. Like, that's not part of his thought process, right? His thought I process... I wouldn't expect it to be. Right. And in fact, almost no one was thinking this way in 2014. Um, right. We don't even know if that's why Katai checked, but it's possible it was. It's reasonable that it was. Um, so if you're Moneymaker and you think like, oh, Katai would have bet any, like, if he had a nine, he would have bet that usually, um, especially any of the nines that he would show up with here, except maybe ace-nine. Like almost every other nine is going to be a bet because it's like 10, nine, nine, eight, which is also the open ender, um, nine, seven suited. Even Jack nine is a nine with, with equity, with good equity that yeah. if you improve, you actually kind of already want chips in the pot because it's going to scare your opponent. Um, or you can't put more chips in it. If you hit the Jack, like you kind of have to check it back, even though you have two pair. So Moneymaker's thinking, well, he doesn't really have a 10. I think he's going to bet a lot of nines. Moneymaker may assume he's betting a lot of sevens, may assume he's betting all his eights, all his open-enders, may assume he's betting all his gutters, like jacks and sixes also. If Moneymaker thinks all those things are bets on the flop, what the hell is Katai supposed to have that he can, that, that beats pocket threes? I guess that's true, but that, that's making a lot of assumptions, I know, obviously. Because then, because Katai called the turn. That's the thing that makes this not as, not as straightforward, right? Right. When so when Katai takes this line and he calls the turn... That is a problem, right? Because you're hoping that Katai has a flush draw then. That's your big hope, is that he has two clubs in his hand that he did not bet the flop with and he didn't raise the turn with. You can't use the logic I had, though, and then say he didn't bet his flush draw, right? Like, if we're saying he's betting all his eights, all his his gutters, all his everything, we certainly think, especially in 2014 on the EPT, everyone was betting their flush draws 100% of the time on the flop, right? Yeah. I mean, it was unthinkable not to. Yeah, so that's... So that puts us at a bit of an impasse as to the yeah, logic behind the call. I agree. It's hard to come up with. You have to you have to put him on exactly the type of line he has with exactly the type of hand he has. The Katai is checking back with ace high, no extra equity other than ace high, is calling the turn with that hand, and then is deciding that it's not good enough and bluffing the river. Yeah, it feels like a lot of things that happen. Now, it turns out it is going to go right for Moneymaker, but this is, as you like to say, it's quite a parlay to pull off, right? Like, Yeah. Like, man, like, usually Katai, when he calls the turn, should have something. And it's weird that Moneymaker wouldn't put him on a 9 or a 7 or even a 10 or a jack 
Like a, maybe Ace Jack is a check back, right? But okay, we're losing to that. Like all the check back hands that make any sense at all, except board based check backs, we should be losing to, right? And a board based yeah. check back still calls the turn. So you feel like that means he has something anyway. It's like really hard for Katai to show up with this hand here. Yeah, if it's a board based check back and then he calls the turn and then bets the river, a lot of those can be straights. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I was Moneymaker, I would think, well, he doesn't have King Queen because he probably bets King Queen on the flop. If we think he's betting a lot of things on the flop, right? Yeah. And that means he doesn't have King Jack either. He doesn't have Queen Jack. It's really Ace Queen and Ace King are like the only things in the world we can beat. And maybe pocket deuces. I mean, like, what the hell? This doesn't seem good. No, but it works out. It's right. It is right. Now, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe Moneymaker actually gets a read on Katai. Maybe. Because, like, we're not even thinking about that. But maybe, maybe they both have a read. But Katai, like, looks at Moneymaker and it's like, okay, I can definitely get him off this hand. He's still uncomfortably, still weak. This is a good time to fire. It is a good time to fire. Katai is right. But Moneymaker is right there with him. And is like, I can tell he doesn't want to call. And if he doesn't want to call, like, he can check back, like, a 10 here. He can check back trip nines. He doesn't need to bet those. He can check back an eight, honestly. Seven is like at least questionable, but like Moneymaker could have nothing and have just like fired, fired the turn, right? Like so, yeah. so Katai is polarizing himself usually to a straight or better. Usually. Maybe trip yeah. nines once in a while, but usually a straight. Usually a straight or better. And the full houses don't make as much sense because he didn't bet the flop if we're not doing board-based checks. Right. Or raise the turn sometimes even with them. Yeah. Like you just, it's hard to, so maybe Moneymaker's also like, okay, yeah, I'm losing to all that range, but come up with hands that he actually can bet here that for value. And like, good luck. There aren't very many. Like hands out of a jack in them, yes. Anything else? Hard to come up with them, really. Maybe that's what's yeah. going on. It could be. I mean, it's possible Katai is not doing board-based checks anyway. Yeah. And if that's the case, Moneymaker might be right to make this call. Mm-hmm. He really might be. But it again, all comes down to that. But again, we have to know enough about Katai, which Moneymaker might, because he's been playing on the EPT and so is Katai, that Katai is going to call the turn with a hand like Ace-King. He has to know that. Otherwise, this is a yeah. bad play. That's a fly in the ointment, that turn call. But maybe he knows that. Maybe he's just watched Katai play a lot and is like, this guy does not give up on hands and will call with Ace. When he checks back, is just calling with Ace high on the turn like all the time these spots if you know that then we wouldn't i guess we could actually bet the now betting the river seems crazy the board's too board's way too crazy for that we can check and once in a while make this call and be right i think i worry that we still are losing money making this call though you know i think i think it feels likely i mean even if all of our assumptions are are correct this time over time that can't really be the case i mean this is why distribution is such an important part of modern decision making yeah. it keeps you from heroing too much is one thing that distribution helps you do because if you hero in every spot that it feels like your opponent's line seems bluffy you're going to be heroing way too much you have yeah. to choose hands to do it with and make it so that you're not doing it too much this is clearly not inside the heroing distribution two threes on this board we don't block anything we want to block that's for sure like uh i would rather have queen three suited here where we don't have a club and we have a queen in our hand, so we're blocking queen jack. You know, stuff like that seems a little bit better. You'd want to call with queen three suited? Oh, no, no. I guess I'd want to bluff with queen three suited. That's a fair <laughs> Yeah, I'm just trying to think of hands that have like better, better. Um, but you're right. We can't call with that hand. We are getting as moneymaker a, a very tasty price. Not surprising. You often are. But it's 6,600 6, to win 19.4. So we don't have to be right that often. And we're deep enough that, like, we can call, be wrong, and it doesn't really affect our stack in any truly meaningful way. 
So we can just sort of play pure poker here for Moneymaker. And the question is basically, is he going to be right like 27% of the time if he calls? And I don't I know, man. Feel like, I feel like probably not. Yeah. I'm worried that it, he isn't right enough. He's probably, I would guess he's right like 15% of the time or 10% of the time. Yeah. Well, he's right this time. He sure is. And it looks awesome. And it's really going to be hard for, this is the other thing. It's going to be hard for the rest of the table to bluff him now. Right, like he's yeah. allowed to get, he's allowed for Katai to turn over like a full house and moneymaker and show his threes to the table if he wants and show them like, don't be bluffing me, guys. And there's still some meta value to this call actually. So there's that too. It's like six and a half blinds. Maybe maybe that makes up for the the shortfall in terms of how often you have to be right. If if you think it's actually going to cut, make everyone else play a little more predictably against you for the next three hours. Like there is there's some value in that. Like someone isn't going to take a big yeah. shot at you. That may, that may be worth way more than the 6,600 right now. Well, it depends on if you're going to call the big shot, because if you call the big shot and you win, that's pretty nice, too. Well, then, yeah, if we're going to call it, then we shouldn't turn over the two threes, right? If yeah. we're not going to call it, we should turn it over and be like, ah, I thought I had you, you know, whatever. Uh, Chris Moneymaker, he, Chris Moneymaker just gets everything. Huh? He gets to win in this hand against Katai. He gets to be Chris Moneymaker, who started the poker boom. He gets the first ever double breakdown is featuring Chris Moneymaker. That's true. Now, I will say what this. A deal. Just a little bit later in this episode, he gets it in against Katai, where Moneymaker has the ace, queen of spades. Katai has four or five of diamonds in the pot. The flop is three, six, jack with two spades. They get it all in on the flop for a lot. And Katai rivers the deuce of clubs and busts Moneymaker when they have wow. almost, this, almost the same chip stack. So That is brutal. Moneymaker may not feel like he wins everything, at least at this, yeah, on this day when they were filming. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, that was a tough one as well. But again, is Chris Moneymaker ever really allowed to complain about poker? I don't think he is. I don't think no, he's I don't not, think so. Like Antonio Esfandiari probably never actually allowed. He may, but those guys like have already gotten too many good things happening to them in their lives. Like Antonio won the $18 million for original one drop. Chris Moneymaker winning the main event, which changed everything for him and for like people like you and me as well. Um, and a lot more people than that. Like, they just don't get to complain about... They complain about lots of things, but they're really not allowed to complain about bad things happening at the poker table, I don't think. Short of someone, like, knifing them. Yeah, you can complain about that. Fair enough. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it.